Well, welcome back, everybody, and thanks again for listening in. Um, this podcast today is, uh, let's see, today is March the 20th, 2023. Good gracious, where did the year go? It seems like every time I turn this on to do a podcast that uh, I always am amazed at how quickly the passing of time has been. Well, as I was riding in the car, as I usually am, on the road, traveling back and forth all over the district, um, I was thinking about people that made a difference in my life. And uh, one name that came to the forefront is a guy named Paul. Paul was my choir teacher, or chorus teacher, I guess you call it, back when I was in high school. In 1980, I entered high school at the age of 13. Now, the reason I was so young and entering high school was that my birthday wasn't until December 22nd. And the rules and the laws back then were if your child were to turn the age before the year was up, uh, then then they could enter whatever grade that was. It started with me in first grade. I did not go to kindergarten. Um, I don't know what good that would have done anyway. But anyway, uh, fast forward just a bit to 1980. And um, we were living on a little street called McIver Street. And uh, it was a little small town called McClenny, Florida. And uh, it was an old, old house. Um, I want to say it was an asbestos siding house, uh, which, of course, has been outlawed now. But we lived in the house, and it, we were poor. Um, my father was barely there. Uh, When he was there, he didn't stay long. He drove a truck, and I think it gave him the ability to claim a family but not necessarily take care of them. So my mother, who suffered from mental illness and addiction to, um, I I don't know if you'd call them, well, yeah, narcotics. But they were prescription narcotics. She loved Valium. Valium was her favorite until she discovered um, painkillers. At any rate... um, I lived with my brother Andy and Howard, and um, I think Joey was there then, but he may have gone on into the service. And, you know, it was a small uh, three-bedroom house, and um, I remember uh, living in that house and not having a whole lot of things as most, you know, impoverished people suffer, you know. The luxuries of life and and a lot of times the necessities but at any rate we were we were what you would consider just poor white trash and um, I remember that's my car alarm going off because someone is slowing down in front of me anyway we, we were we were poor so I'm just trying to set it up I'm not trying to lament the fact that we were impoverished I'm just, I just want you to understand where we were coming from um, my parents you know, they, my mother didn't work. Um, she would do sporadic wallpapering jobs. Now, wallpapering was, was popular back in the, in the 80s, late 70s and uh, early 80s. It seemed to be popular. People were putting wallpaper in their homes. And so from time to time, my mother would uh, open up, uh, you know, a, a, I don't know if she had a business license or whatever, but she she would do uh, wallpapering for people in the community, and I'm not really sure if she made a lot of money at that, but <clears throat> we didn't have a lot of money. We often didn't have food in the house, and um, 
my father was gone all the time and, and my mother slept on Valium pretty much all day. And um, so anyway, we were limited in our funding and we didn't have a whole lot of resources or extra money. And so my course teacher, Paul, um, talked about us being invited to Disney World. Now, Walt Disney World in Orlando uh, was a big deal. Um, we were going to sing at the Magic Kingdom, basically in the front, and we were going to be part of a thousand voice choir singing the Hallelujah Chorus, which is pretty amazing, really. And um, of course, it costs money to to take the bus down there, and it was a regular school bus back then, and um, we had to pay for you know hotel and food and things like that and I remember just really panicking about the fact that I probably wasn't going to be able to afford to, to go because you know I don't think we had any money for me to spend on food even though we fundraised for um, the trip itself to sort of <coughs> make it easier for some of the less fortunate kids like myself and um, anyway I guess my parents scraped together whatever they could it wasn't much. Um, I remember I was very limited in what I had, but they did scrape together. They did find some way to uh, make a way for me to go, and, and I was tickled to death because I was a huge Disney fan. Still am, actually. I'm, I'm a huge Disney fan even today um, as an adult. But anyway, we, um, we took the bus down there, and, and, and um, we got to sing in this, this huge thousand-voice choir, and and uh, we just had the best time and, and golly it was just it was such an amazing uh, trip and a, such an amazing time well Paul kind of seen that I was probably you know one of those kids that sort of you know falls between the cracks and and you know I think he saw something in me that was you know uh, a spark of something that was there than other than just being impoverished and um, he took a shine to me and I don't mean that in a bad way, and, and I know sometimes that, you know, uh, there can be like an uncomfortableness there with, with a male teacher having a, you know, showing attention to a, a young male, but there was nothing like that. Paul was, he, he was always a complete gentleman. Looking back now, he was probably, I would say, maybe 30 years old, um, but he wasn't married, and... Um, he had no kids that I was aware of, but uh, he lived down the street from me, actually, in a, in a block house that he rented, and I remember he would have game night, and me and other kids would go down there, and we'd play games, and, and looking back now, you know, I understand in today's society and culture, you know, that might have been frowned, that might be frowned upon, because, you know, they think, you know, he's probably grooming us kids for something uh, sexual, but that's, that's just not what it was. Paul was... Um, he was a bit of a nerd, but he was a lot of things, but he wasn't, he wasn't a pervert. He was a, a decent human being, and um, <clears throat> he was from, uh, Key, his parents lived in Key West, but I think he was from Avon Park, Florida, but um, he graduated from the University of Florida with his teaching degree, and um, I loved choir. I loved chorus. Um, I was a very difficult child back then. Um, I required a lot of attention. Uh, I demanded attention and I acted out and my behavior was 
<clears throat> I wasn't a bad kid. I was just very hyperactive, and uh, I made his job extremely difficult. And for that, I'm I'm truly sorry. He didn't deserve that. And he was he was the kind of person that you know he he just I don't know he just he liked you no matter what. And um, he liked me, and he spent a lot of time with me. And I remember one time he took me to breakfast. My cousin Scott and I. And he took us to breakfast at the Hilton, and it was on the water. It was in Jacksonville, and that was a huge deal to someone like me who had never, you know, I thought that was like, you know, extremely, uh, you know, you had to be rich to be able to do something like that because, you know, poor people didn't get to do things like that at all. And I remember I, I had a, an old brown suit. I don't know why I had a brown suit. I don't know where it came from. I don't know if it was hand-me-down or what, but I remember dressing up and um, going to breakfast with Paul and he taking us, and, and I'll never forget it, we had, um, we had uh, uh, pancakes that were, uh, uh, what do they call them, flambe? Anyway, they, they would light them on fire, basically, pour some kind of alcohol on them and light them on fire. It was just, it was really kind of cool and they had um, strawberries on top and, and that was just a huge, huge deal for me. And besides the fact that we were we were eating at this really nice, expensive restaurant. Of course, looking back now, it probably wasn't as expensive as I probably thought it was at the time, but to me it was a big deal, it was a huge deal, that he would take time out of his schedule and his money in his pocket and pay for me and my cousin Scott to go. And uh, it was just awesome. And, and I remember, you know, we would hang out in his office sometimes and we would talk and, you know, he would come around and. He would he would try to he tried to be my friend and and my mother really really messed it all up she really did and and I was so easily influenced by her and yet looking back now I realize she was a narcissist and uh, probably borderline personality but um, she made the comment one time she poisoned the water if you've ever heard that term before she poisoned the water with me and Paul and um, she made the comment you know, he's spending a lot of time with you. Uh, is he some sort of pervert or something? Well, I had been abused as a child by two older brothers, and um, that was really difficult for me. And so when she said that, it really, really just kind of, I don't know, it triggered me, I guess. And so I remember one day when he was, he came over to pick me up, and we were going somewhere, we we're going to do something. And I was real curt with him. And he, in fact, he used the word, why are you being so curt with me? And I couldn't tell him. I didn't know how to explain to him that my mother had poisoned my ears to him. And, and I said nothing, you know. And and, and eventually I, I just, I resisted Paul and his friendship until he decided it just wasn't worth it. You know, I was, it was too hard. And um, we sort of drifted. And my last year in high school, I didn't take chorus. Um... I was I was just so I was so devastated by what he by what my mother had put in my mind and so um, I didn't see Paul after I graduated for years and years and years and years later and I was playing the piano for a group a southern gospel group and uh, we we're traveling all around and we we get to this little church in Avon Park and lo and behold Paul comes walking out from behind the, the, the church um, 
uh, pulpit. And I'm just as surprised to see him. I, I couldn't believe it. Here he was, you know, my high school course teacher. And it was just, what were the odds that I would run into him? And, you know, I, I remember he was like, Danny Hartley, I, I can't believe this is you. And, and, and I went by Danny back then. I'm Dan now. But, he, you know, it was like, I said, Mr. Roberts. It, and he said, what are you doing? And I said, well, I, I play the piano for this group, and this is your church. And he goes, well, I'm the music director here. And it's, you know, and I was like, I can't believe this. I, I'm just, man. And I had the opportunity to, to tell him I was so sorry. I said, I am so sorry I was so difficult as a child. I, I, I owe you an apology. I've wanted to apologize to you for years, and it's bothered me ever since then. And he was so gracious and so kind and so, I don't know, full of mercy, I guess. And he said, hey, it's, it's okay. It's, it's, I forgive you. It's no big deal, you know. Um, anyway, I remember when I learned about his passing. He was, a, he was a, a bad diabetic, and he had a wife who was younger than him, I think, or maybe she was about his age. She was very, very attractive. Paul was not an attractive person at all. He was, he just wasn't. He was just a nice guy, but he was not very attractive at all. And um, when he got really sick with diabetes, she left him because she said, I didn't marry a man to take care of him. And I never forgot that either because I thought how cruel that, that really was that she would say something like that, you know? That's her husband. She swore to love and sickness and in health. And anyway, I was just really, really disappointed that, that, you know, she would have done that, but not really surprised either. But 